Hey everybody, welcome back to Crushing. I'm super stoked on this brand new season. Um, right now, I'm sitting down with Beth O'Rourke as a part of a series of interviews Crushing is gonna be doing in collaboration with With It Girl. Um, Beth O'Rourke is a creative strategist, brand strategist, filmmaker, and photographer, but she's also just like a stoked surfer and definitely a badass. Um, so Beth, hello. Can you chime in a little bit about yourself and let us know what's up? <laughs> Hi, Maya. I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah. I'm currently sitting in Ventura, California, Sick. which is just north of Los Angeles. I've lived here for... Uh, just like 11 or 12 years now, I moved mm -hmm. here from San Francisco. Um, I do, let's see, I just got back from Joshua Tree, uh, where I'm working on a project with the Keep a Breast Foundation, and I'm creating a film with them to promote their latest project, and uh, kind of uh, in, the, in the nascent phases of um, fundraising, but it should be really cool, and I'm really, really excited to be a part of something like that. That sounds really amazing. Um, in time for Breast Cancer Awareness Month? When is that? Is that October? Is that September? Oh, man. You'd have to ask Shaney Joe. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I don't know. I know. I'm, just to let you know, I'm really bad with dates. I barely, I can't really even tell you what my dad's birthday is. So, um, I hear that. I hear that. I'm bad with numbers. I'm like, can't do math. Um, so I first found With a Girl when I was shopping out my four-part series on the history of the representation of women in surf culture, which was just this project that I started my senior year of high school. And With a Girl just kind of seemed like the perfect organization slash like grassroots publication to, you know, share that writing on. So I'm just curious about how do you get involved with With a Girl? Um, That's a very long story. A very long story. <laughs> I'll try to make it as short as possible. Sure. Uh, so... Let's see. When I got to San Francisco, I graduated, uh, born and raised in Boston. Uh, okay, so East Coast. UMA yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, um, both of us grew up on the East Coast, now out West. Okay, cool. Yeah, we can, that could be an entire podcast unto itself. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so the West Coast is definitely uh, culturally distinct from what I grew up with. It still is mm -hmm. in many ways, so I get to view it as kind of still a tourist, I guess, even though... You know, here I, I'm 53. I moved out here when I was 23. But anyway, so your question was about how I uh, got involved with With a Girl. Yeah. So, um, I was in San Francisco at a very young age, and I came up with, um, you know, different peer groups. Um, you know, I was in, I was a designer. Um, I, I went to art school, but I was a designer. And um, also, I was still an artist, and I kind of still am an artist. Not kind of, I am. Uh, so I met a lot of um, people there that were artists and also people that kind of went into either the ocean or the woods and, you know, did other things. Um, sometimes they just went into the city and um, spray painted graffiti and things like that. But um, so I came up with this group of people. Um, some of them are known as like the mission um, movement. Um, and so my very first office, so I was kind of like a massive um, capitalist and somebody who wanted to get into their own business so I could um, make some money early on with the burgeoning internet. Um, and I, th I saw branding and identity as a way to do that and still a way to 
stay true to my art, my art roots. And so what I did is uh, I got my first office at 208 Utah Street, and it was Barry McGee's old studio. And so he had just vacated. And um, so it turned out like they were just kind of part of the whole scene when I was coming up. And he had a daughter, Asha. So fast forward uh, 20, okay. you know, 20 So years. Asha from Withicle. Yeah. So fast forward <laughs> yeah. 20 years later, Asha's at UCSB. You know, I knew her growing up. My son is a little younger than her. You know, we would see each other at the beach. I'd surf with um, her dad and Claire, her mom, and like everybody in that whole group. And so, you know, she was hitting me up saying, do you want to surf and things like that. And then she started to um, reinvigorate with a girl with malls. Yeah. And they, they pulled me into the project, um, you know, after about a year of, of kind of working on it because they knew that I was, you know, I was exploring these topics that um, were near and dear to the with a girl narrative. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Happy to hear the long story. Um, so I guess like is what you talked about earlier, would you say that that's your latest project or like, yeah, I guess like what's the latest project that you've seen to fruition? Um, yeah. Uh, okay. So there's a couple of things. One of them is I just got back from uh, Rockaway, the Women's right. Film Festival, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. premiered. Uh, it's really a music video. Uh, it's about just under four minutes, and it features Olivia Wilhite, who's a recording artist for uh, Universal Music Group, and she released a cover of um, Let's Go Surfing, and I shot uh, the music video for her. Shot, directed, edited, and, um, you know, finished it and released it. It's on my. It's it's on Vimeo now. I think I need to um, take the privacy stuff off it now because it's out there. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. that, so that was the latest thing. And it just, so it premiered at the Women's Surf Film Festival in Rockaway, um, at the Rockaway Beach Surf Club, which is epic. Um, there was also another night we did up at the Rockaway Beach Surf Hotel. Um, and then Olivia also played live. So um, yeah, booked her a gig doing that two nights. And, uh, and then it played, I wasn't here because I was in Joshua Tree, but it played Monday night at Patagonia, along with Lauren Hill's film, um, The Physics of Nose Riding. Okay, sick. I love Lauren Hill's films. Um, okay, I, yeah. I, of course, didn't get to go there and see Lauren, but I got to hang out with Crystal, <laughs> who's in the film, and also, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, the Women's Surf Film Festival was amazing. Davina yeah. does an incredible job. Um, I had a film in that film festival in 2017, um, focusing on Keeper Breast and Erin Ashley, a.k.a. Worm who's um, a surfer and uh, yeah, so we're all just kind of in, in our, very interconnected. Okay, yeah, no, small world. It's so funny. So nowhere else makes taco, like actually, you know what? Nowhere else makes quesadillas, like they make their quesadillas, like tortilla, cheese, beans, plantain, like so good, I miss it so good. <laughs> yeah, you should miss it, Maya, because I just had some. Yeah, and, and uh, it was like, yeah, and, and one of my favorite logos um, by a guy named Ty, he did the taco, the surfing taco. So mm-hmm, it's like mm-hmm. I actually went up there. I got elote and I got fried yes. fish tacos. Um, and, and they're a fabulous business run from inside of the Rockaway Beach Surf Club. Yeah. Um, I love them. Their owners are rad. Um, I've had the new tacos. They're great. But I don't know. I like I miss the OG like thing. Like there's so many New York things where it's like, 
I went there as a kid when I was like 10 and it's just changed slightly. Like more people know about it. And I'm just like, mm, like I was here before, like this like pretentious, like New York City kid. Like I grew up here, like Roberta's Pizza, like used to not be a chain, you know? So me and my family would like go to Bushwick in the minivan and sit in the cold and under the tarp and like wait for our table. And now I'm like, what do you mean? There's a Domino Park location and there's an LA location. Like, come on. I was there. What about Katz's Deli when there was no <gasps> line? I know. I know. It's crazy. There's lines everywhere. I'm like, telling you, Boston's the same way. So San Francisco. Like, I got yeah. there in my early 20s. So just get used to that feeling over and Yeah, over we got to get used to the lines. Um, all right. Well, before we hop into our next question, I want to take a break and listen to some music. Um, our first one is going to be Gut Feeling by Devo. Let's hear it.
classic. Thanks for sharing that one, Beth. I feel like that's kind of an epic song to mosh to. Like, it makes me just want to be, like, I don't know, like, in a parking lot with my friends, <laughs> like, jumping around. Yeah, that's an old favorite. I mean, there's just so many I can't even. Yeah, it's so hard. Like, when I have to pick songs for these shows, I'm like, okay, like, what are the five songs I'm listening to right now, like, to try to limit it? Um, yeah, I think, like, by by genre, it would be really tough. Like, I didn't even put a hip-hop song in there because I just would have gone into a rabbit hole. But I do. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, but I listen to, you know, East Coast um, hip-hop. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, which is yeah. really uh, Boston was a great music scene growing up in Boston. Mm. Um, cool. Yeah. So I, I was the beneficiary of a lot of, you know, bands coming from different places and playing for the first time. So mm -hmm. that was, that was mm -hmm. pretty rad. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So as you know, this show is about crushes as a lens for self-discovery. So I have to ask you the question that I ask everyone What's one crush that has helped you learn about yourself? And of course, crush is an open-ended term. It could be romantic. It could be a friend. It could just be like a thing or a hobby or an art or an activity that you fell in love with. So I'm pretty sure that my crush is the mystery of existence. Oh my God. Wait, I love that you said that because like there's this Albert Einstein. I think it's an Albert Einstein quote that's like, like, oh, like, what's, like, the best part about life? And it's, like, it's the mystery. Like, you know? Okay. Anyways, keep going. <laughs> I'm somebody that is interested in um, finding out, uh, you know, how we kind of transcend these structures that are set up for us in our world. And uh, we transcend that by trying to discover what is human about each and every one of us. Good, bad, ugly, beautiful, indifferent, right? So, yeah, just kind of plumbing the depths of that. Um, it was early for me. My my great uncle, he was, uh, I would say, like, he just spent a lot of time in the Boston Public Library writing. He had a study carol there. But he taught me many things as a kid. One of them was to play the piano. And the other thing, um, not just the other thing, but uh, he also taught me how to type which was cool. And he had tons of books and he taught me to read. And he always said to consult three sources of information before you draw conclusions. So that's, that's sort of the beginning of me understanding that there's several, several lens, I mean, infinite lenses in which to view, um, moment by moment each event that happens. No, I was going to say like, I, I love that. Like, I feel like, I don't know, sometimes like like applying a black and white frame to life is just like, it's not enough. Like there's, there's like so much nuance and everything. And like, I feel similarly, like I just like love to like explore everything. And like, I just want to know, like, I feel like I'm just curious about why, like why are things are the way they are. And like, I feel like, like I'm very drawn to under like trying to like understand things as much as possible. And like, for me, surfing has that to it because it's like a puzzle. Like it's like, I'm a student of the ocean every time I go into the ocean and I feel like I'm like constantly trying to like uncover this mystery and like I don't know explore it further every day I'm like a different person and I have a different brain and like I'm understanding more about the way that I move in the ocean like yeah I mean I, I think what you and I share with every single um human and maybe even you know Neanderthal I just found out through a DNA test that I was 
at like 80% more Neanderthal than most people. So I don't Damn. Know. I know, right? <laughs> um, I also found out that I have a tiny bit of Ashkenazi Jew in me, which is interesting because uh, my great-grandparents my, uh, came over from Poland and, mm-hmm. you know, as Roman Catholics, but I was like, hmm. Poland, huh. Eastern Poland. Interesting. Yeah. So, and I yeah. had a feeling about it. So, um, that was interesting, but yeah, the Neanderthal thing really threw me for a loop and it made sense. Like my mosquito bites itch more than more people. I mean, just the mm-hmm. haplogroup stuff is really interesting. So there's the science part of it, right? But there's the myth, right? So what you're talking to me about is a myth around surfing, right? There's a myth, um, you know, the people used to hate the ocean. They used to think it was, I mean, people still think it's filled with serpents and things that will kill you, right? I mean, I just went to the desert yeah. and at least three people asked me, like, aren't there things here that can kill you? Aren't you afraid? Yeah. And um, I was like, you know, life is a wilderness. Life is a great wilderness. And so mythologically speaking, um, that is something we carry. That is our universal narrative, right? Art revolves around it, Um you know, story, storytelling, all kinds of storytelling revolve around that. And the beautiful part about myth is it um, offers, I, this is a direct thing from like Joseph Campbell, that myth offers ways to contextualize the transcendent unknown within the conditions of the actual physical world, right? So when we talk about experiencing these moments, right, these, you know, passing, so going into the water is, is um, crossing a threshold, and there's this wonderful book uh, written by my friend who's a professor, who was a professor at Rice University in UC Berkeley called The Human Shore. And if you are um, an ardent devotee of the ocean, I recommend everybody read The, the Human Shore and the shores around us. Uh, he was a huge um, admirer and lifelong, um, lifelong devotee of Rachel Carson, who is, you know, as you know, is one of the premier... Um, people to actually allow us through narrative and writing to engage with nature deeply. I mean, John Muir was definitely on that forefront. But as you as you read those books, you'll realize that the ocean is a new frontier for us, right? And um, it was always seen as a place to just get fish out of or get, you know, harvest things from. And very little was known and still known about its depths and what makes it up. We know such a tiny fraction of what exists under the water, um, you know, because we're obsessed with, you know, surfaces as humans. And we began in saltwater anyway. So, I mean, technically we are marine mammals for, uh, at the, from the get-go. Yeah. I think, like, this this whole thing that you mentioned earlier about, like, people asking, like, oh, like, can't you die in the ocean? Like, aren't there sharks? Like, you're a surfer. Like, like you realize that's dangerous. Like, when I, so I teach surf lessons, um, mostly to young women, um, out in Montauk over the summer. And I always like love, I love having that conversation with them because they're like, well, are there sharks? Like, can we die? And I'm like, yeah, like there are sharks. And you know what? Like it has been a really sharky summer, but like, that's okay. You know, like, that's just like a part of like the ambiance. Like we're out here. We're also creatures. Like, yes, there are other sea creatures out there. Like, you know, I was teaching this girl to surf and she like, there a seal came up very close to us and she got scared. And I was like, okay, like, hi seal. Like we can say hi to the seal. And then if we're scared, like we can go in, you know, like, it's like, it's, it's okay. Like this is like just a part of what exists out there. And it doesn't have to be like, I don't know. It, it also cracks me up kind of. Cause I'm like, 
well, like, yeah, you could die, like, just walking out into the street and, like, get hit by a car. Like, you know, like, what? It's just, like, this dissonance in people's brains, but, like, something about the ocean as this frontier, you know? Can I just jump in there really quick? It's mm-hmm. not a dissonance. It's it's actually, it's been carefully crafted, in even in the Bible, like, serpents exist in the ocean, right? And the Bible is the most popular book in the history of man. So, so are you saying it's, like, what we've been taught? Absolutely. Or like, I yeah. mean, people, most people can't swim. It, they go into the mm-hmm. ocean and they'll True. drown. I mean, I was yeah. a lifeguard. So, I mean, it, it's, it, the, okay, the joke is dip your finger in and if it tastes salty, they're sharks. So, I mean, that's fine. You know, I mean, it's been hyped on me, in media. You know, sharks don't really want anything to do with us. I, I mean, I learned to surf in the Red Triangle, which is the Farallon Islands, a breeding ground for white sharks, right? Elephant seals at Año Nuevo. In California. So it's like, you know, it's, it's, um, it's something that's very, like I said, sharks have a bad rap in media. They don't want anything to do with us. Uh, seals, I would get the hell away from seals. I would not say hi to them because they're being hunted by sharks that, that the sharks are the apex predator. So anytime you see a seal, there's definitely fish under you, right? So there's a bait ball or something, or they're traveling some to get somewhere else. But, you know, seals are the, primary most you know sought after food for sharks so seals are kind of like the harbinger like oh i don't know like maybe we should go have have a tuna fish sandwich and potato chips on the beach right now yeah seals kind of feel very mythical to me because like i don't know the first time i encountered a seal when i was a kid i the its eyes were so black and it was like it looked like it was wearing some kind of mask. I was like, what animal is this? Like emerging from the water, like right beside my surfboard. Um, they, I saw one yesterday when I was surfing Topanga and I was like, okay, like time to go in. Like, so, so this kind of talks about like what, what you're telling me is like, um, a story, right? Mm -hmm. So your story of having that encounter with the seal, um, is like, it's a narrative, right? So it's going to shape yours and other people's ideas so so it's a myth that you have that you're carrying with you do you know what I mean every and and it's like psychologically symbolic to you so this is what's interesting because you're making it like myths are a mix of like um there's a mix of reality right factual truth and then there's a it's a mix of factual truth and then sometimes it's more just ideas you have about what happened like so it's through your own lens and it's instinctual and it's just your opinion right so so humans are famously known as like um un- unreliable narrators have you heard that term yep yeah so we are historically unreliable so like if you go back like a great a great example of that is the telltale heart by edgar Allan poe Right. So the narrator is trying to convince you that it was okay to seek out this man, this old man with this really gross eye that he thought was evil. So he he was trying to at once go kill this man and then tell you a story about how he killed the man and make you believe he was sane. So it's like these these complexities, like um, these stories are based on real and imagined events. So it's how you spin them is what becomes, you know, a, a juicy story, basically, right? So, you know, it, it, we're just, we just live in this culture where, like, 
um, firsthand evidence rather than science kind of rules the day. I mean, that to me seems preeminently um, part of, you know, everyday media narrative. And that's really what shapes a lot of opinions and things like that now. Uh, Cancel culture, um, you know, just, you know, regrettable actions or just acting like, you know, you don't hold any, um, like, you know, in the telltale heart, he kills the old man, but he doesn't actually take responsibility for his actions. He, it suggests that the narrator doesn't regret his actions, basically, in the book, Mm. if you read it. And um, he blames the murderer on his, on his existential crisis. Um, And he says that he murdered the old man because it was out of his control, right? So basically, if you look at what we're served every day, is this lack of culpability, lack of um, taking responsibility and placing the blame on other people, right? So it's like, as you grow up in this, as as you grow up in this um, constantly, like, kind of like peeling away of what's actually happening, like facts versus what people are telling you, like constructing this other narrative with all these different platforms like TikTok and, you know, Mm -hmm. these narcissistic kind of like playland for narcissists. It becomes kind of this, you have to, my theory, my hypothesis, I should say, is that it, it kind of forces us to go seek our own private refuge in other, in experiencing other things, especially in nature, because there's, for a lot of people, there's um, there's a quality to nature which is always going to be sincere, that is always going to be not about us at all, even though we are of nature, right? So regardless whether it's surfing or not, you can romanticize surfing all you want. It's a very romantic thing. The optics are great all the time. You know, it's heavily marketed. It's very marketable. Like we, you know. A lot of people have bought into this package of them on a perfect wave and the perfect curl and the emotions you're going to have. It's like, it takes a long time to get there. But I'm just saying, like, <laughs> like, you know, people seeking things like that suffer a symbolic deficiency in their life, right? Hmm. So that's what's happening. You're going, like the hero, like the hero's journey, you're going to this place that's unfamiliar to you to go back and sort of you're lacking something or something's been taken from you. So you're going into the space so you can go discover something new, right? That gives yeah. that gives you purpose and meaning. Yeah, I think. I mean, I, yeah, like I agree. Like I think, <laughs> I think that's true. Well, like I, I feel like this this unreliable narrator thing is really interesting to me because, like, I don't know. Like in the past few years, as long as I've been in therapy, basically the conclusion I've come to is like, okay, like I just project like. My entire reality is just my own projection onto everyone else. And so like not based in fact at all. It's just based in like what I, what I'm thinking and like my emotions. And so like everybody's doing that to everybody else too, um, pretty much. So then it's like, I guess like you're right because I now have that understanding. I'm like, I now have this deep desire to like uncover something real. And then it's like, to me, the ocean is that vehicle, the thing that's like natural and like yeah, it's sincere, you know, like, yeah, yeah. I always like to hear how people come to the ocean or discover the wilderness. Um, I, I never had that kind of more curatorial experience. I, I went to the wilderness because it felt like the realest version of home for me. Um, you know, I did grow up in cities though, you know, I'm a city girl, 
But, um, you know, I think like, I, I think the on a very basic level, like you're, you know, opening your heart and your imagination, right? That's what it does. You're, you're looking for, you're, you're looking yourself for your imagination. Yeah. I guess I'm like a pretty existential person. So like, I kind of like operate in the world with this idea that like I'm projecting onto everyone. And I have this fear that like my reality is fake. Like, oh, like all my feelings, they must not be sincere because like everything's a projection. Like, am I just making this up? Like, that's my biggest fear is like, like, I don't know. Like I, there's like this like big thief song that I really relate to. That's like, like she has the poison inside her. She talks to snakes and they guide her. I'm like, am I just like, I like want my life to imitate art so bad that I'm projecting onto everybody that like I have this understanding of reality that isn't true. And like, I don't know, like maybe that's just like also just like kind of like emblematic of like the world that I grew up in because like, like coming of age in social media, like makes everything feel so fake. It's like, I'm just like, have it's like pretty, a lot of it fear is, around insincerity. So. I mean, it's, yeah. it's not all fake. Mm-hmm. Right. There's accounts you should unfollow. Right. To, to, <laughs> to divorce yourself from that idea. But yeah, I mean, we know now that it is constructed to affect a certain change in us. Yeah. Uh, just um, like any anything that's marketed. Right. Anything that has advertising behind it and increases awareness of a product for you to invest in. Right. So it's, it's just like that. I'm that's where my brand strategy comes in, like growing up as somebody who understands human behavior, even at a, at a level where, you know, even at a mind level, right. What stimulates somebody to act on something? What, what creates loyalty? What, what Mm -hmm. drives awareness, right? What, how do you keep a customer going over these different touch points? Right. Like, yeah, I used to love Instagram, like when I was 11, because it was like, I don't, they, there weren't really ads at that point. And it felt like a place where I was like, Oh, I can like post stuff. And like, this can be like a creative space for Mm -hmm. me. At this point, it's like Instagram is just like entirely a waste of my time because like it's entirely based on advertising. What's like, not a waste of your time socially right, these it's, days? Exactly. No, it's so true. No, it's I'm like serious. Like what, yeah. what do you what do you go to? I use Instagram, but like I feel like I use it because I use it out of obligation. Like yeah, I don't use Snapchat. Too. Yeah. I love to just give people my phone numbers and chat with them like that. Like that's my favorite ideal thing. But it's like I use Instagram because my entire college life is based on Instagram. Like all of the events, social events that I want to go to, to like be around people. Cause I like to be around people like are posted about on Instagram. My friends communicate over Instagram. So if I were to like opt out of Instagram, then it would make it really challenging for me to feel like I was socially connected. But also Instagram stresses me out immensely because I'm like, why am I not getting likes on this? Like Oh, like who viewed this? Like, does this person like me? Like, it's Listen, like in- you, you. Here's the thing with Instagram: nobody should be forced to, you know, fear their own mortality every time they launch an app, honestly, or just question their own worth, right? Mm-hmm. So just consider that. Keep that in mind. Yeah. That that that's what it's doing. And when you go into that situation, you are fully aware that you're being tracked and listened to and all your actions. And, you know, I mean, you know how it is. It's like you mentioned a new product and it ends up in your feed, you know, your mic's on right. your phone. Right. So, right. so those, we know those are the table stakes these days. This is what we've evolved to in terms of right. our, you know, right. our devices. And like, and- I like, I don't know, like I want there to be like a pushback against like 
like the evolution of like being entirely entangled with social media and like I don't know like that's why I really like my sub stack honestly mm-hmm. it's like because it's it's a newsletter and it's a way for me to connect with my friends and just like put out my raw writing writing but it's also just like it's it's like completely it's entirely free like there are no advertisements and it's just like me sharing my voice and it's like I don't know like a lot of my other friends have sub stacks now too and some yeah. of my professors have sub stacks and so I really like that like yeah. and I'm subscribed to like Patty Smith's sub stack and yeah. Roxanne Gay's sub stack and yeah. so like that's a way that I consume media that I feel like really comfortable with and not stressed out about yeah yeah it's like more per you create your own permissions around that yeah um Okay, so let's take another break and hear some music. This is Language is a Virus by Lori Anderson. Here we go. Paradise is exactly like where you are right now. Only much, much better. Saw this guy in a train and they seemed to have gotten stuck in one of those abstract chances. And he was going... I think he's in some kind of pain I think it's a pain cry And I said Pain cry Then language It's a virus Language It's a virus And I was saying, I wanted you, wanted you, and I was looking for you, but I couldn't find you, I couldn't find you, and he said, hey, you talking to me, or are you just practicing for one of those performances you know? judge that it was you and I had to sell the car and go to Florida because that's just my way of saying that I love you had to call you at the crack of dawn and list the times that I've been wrong that's just my way of saying that I'm sorry it's a job sorry it's a virus There was an island, the walls of the sea, 
DJ Ditch Bitch and Beth O'Rourke. Um, so what you got for me about that one? Just the first lyric, which paradise is exactly like where you are right now, only much, much better. That's always going to be the case, right? So I just thought that was a pretty good um, fit. Yeah, that's like pretty spot on, honestly, that line. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> pretty- language, that's the thing, like language can be a virus as like we're kind of just to reflect back on some of the things I was saying. I mean, so so you see language, but then there's poetry, which is also language, but it's more in the realm of conceptual, which is art, right? So it really depends. It depends on how you decide to kind of step for, make your next step forward, right? While you're on this earth, it's like you can you can approach things conceptually, right? And be sort of like evolve to a place where you feel like okay enough with yourself to allow yourself to be a quote free thinker which isn't necessarily that idea of quote a liberal or any kind of hippie thing it's simply um an evolution and understanding that um you know we all do not everybody but you know most of us you know when you're in that uh, walking on that down that crowded street or crossing that crowded intersection in New York City or Los Angeles. It's like, you know, we're all having different experiences, experiencing different levels of consciousness. Some people are sleeping, so to speak. Some people are very awake. Um, and, and I think it can be overwhelming to people. Um, and I think that there is just that kind of viral information that we get constantly in our news feeds. So, you know, kind of reading three news sources and, and picking picking your fighter, so to speak, like your own fighter who you're of your own making and allowing, and I, I know this sounds really cerebral, but I, I do read a lot of books. So it's like, and I do think a lot about this and I do a ton of research and I do believe that knowledge and understanding things that have come before us, reading books like Edgar Allan Poe, po, like philosophy books, you know, you said you're an existentialist, like if that's the case, um, you know, go for it. Um, go, go grab some Nietzsche and things like that. So I'm saying like there, the, the, the conundrum within your lifetime is, can be solved and it is achievable through educating yourself because others have passed through those exact same doorways that you're passing through. So me as a filmmaker, I'm always curious as to how people pass through these doorways. So I swim with my camera a lot. 
Um, so one of those things for me, when getting into the water, it doesn't have to be surfing. I swim, I, you know, I go under the water with my snorkel and mask, you know, it's, it's not about surfing is just kind of like one way that there's for me that, that, um, that expression or just understanding the world better and understanding how, how I'm, I'm, I'm a small part of the universe, but in, you know, I'm also a big part of the universe because there's actually, you know, it, it is a small world. So it all, you know, and feeling overwhelmed sometimes by the power of something like the ocean, um, by submitting to sort of the wilderness and serendipity to me is one of the greatest gifts of being here, existence. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't, I romanticize surfing, um, because I see what it does for the community that I have around mm. surfing. Hmm. It's it's not so, and that's the original intent of surfing was a family event at the beach. Yeah. Families would go to the beach, yeah. and it wasn't just we're going to go surfing. It's like we're going to spend the day at the beach. We're going to fish. We're going to enjoy each other's water. company yeah. in the water. So it's like there's there's other sports though. Like you know, like my first love was downhill skiing, right? So I mm-hmm. love skiing still to this mm-hmm. day. Um, so yeah. Would you say that like you're engaging in these activities in pursuit of serendipity? Like, is that the why for you, or what? What What do you think draws you to you know going underwater with your camera and skiing and mountain biking, distance running? Like, mm-hmm. is that? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's really clear. I get to step into um, a realm that I don't have as much control over as like sitting mm-hmm. at my desk or you know scrolling through social media. Like I just, I am always looking to, I I always have concepts in my head that I'm working on period, you know, like whether it's I'm messing around with lenses or I'm trying to elicit some other way to express uh, what it is I'm thinking at the moment or um, yeah, just being experimental with the art I do. So actually going and doing those things. um, So my brain functions in a way where I'm just, I, I'm super sensitive to everything that comes at me, um, mostly sound and, and then smell. And then having those um, immersive physical experiences, like even putting myself in peril for most of my life in the wilderness um, has allowed me to um, really connect with, with my purpose and like what the hell I'm supposed to be doing in a way that's really sounds reckless. It really, it's reckless in a lot of ways, but at the same time, I love recklessness. I'm an impulsive person. Um, you know, I grew up listening to punk rock and going to punk rock shows. That's insanely reckless and also conceptual and artistic. So like those things together, that's what I feed off of really just chaos. Really? I mean, we are in, we are in chaos and just accepting that and understanding that you're part of this chaos as the globe Mm -hmm. spins. Right. Yeah. 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 I can definitely relate to that because I think like I have a desire to control everything in my life. Um, But then, like, when I step into nature and surf or go to the beach or just, like, explore something new, like, I feel like that's when I'm able to surrender to not having control. And I think that I'm drawn to it because it's just, like, really different for me. Do you ever consider, like, it sounds like you're in your head a lot. Yeah. And I am like. Mm-hmm. So, so I get that. I'm constantly, I, I am like in my own head and, but what I realize is that, um, that, so just from doing it for so long, what I realize is that, you know, 
this, which is connected to the rest of me, um, you know, inside is controlled. You know, your your body right. is controlling your your hmm. delivering oxygen to your muscles and things. If you realize in that moment what's happening, where where you're so stuck in your head that you feel like things are so you're a control freak, your body doesn't give a shit what you're, what's going on in your head. It's going to control this perfect system that it has. It's always trying to maintain equilibrium. So you're saying like, okay, like I live in a body which is like trying to maintain homeostasis or that's like it the scientific. Ho- it's not trying. It does. Like it, it, it reliably does. has done that for you because we're talking okay. right now. Okay. So, yeah. and then my head is like in, in my, my idea of my own head is that like I'm trying to control what's around me. And so But like, it's connect, you're connected to, this isn't separate right. from this. Right. Yeah. True. And we are nature. We are part of nature. Right. We it contain the exact same elements that everything around you is built from. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, there's that thing. Have you, like, we're mostly, we literally are, there's stardust, which is like a lovely, beautiful, creative term, but we are made of those same basic elements. So it's like, and there is a rhyme and a reason. There is physics behind what's happening. Pressure, gravity, Mm -hmm. your blood Mm -hmm. pressure, your heart beating, electrical impulses, amino acids, like all that stuff just exists. So we can go around tripping on shit. Just give it a break once in a while, you know? Yeah, true. Don't be, I'm not trying to be hard on you. I'm just saying like. No, I think this is interesting. (laughs) I feel like you're, you're um, pushing me to think in ways that I haven't thought. And so I'm all about it. So like. I just want to like think more. Are you are you saying something though about like like when I go into nature like in my body and like in my version of what's going on I'm thinking, "Oh, like this is my way that like I'm releasing control kind of." But are you saying like and I'm surrendering, but you're saying like no, like you are your body is maintaining homeostasis. Like you are in control or you're not in control or nothing changes? Like are you saying something about that or Let me ask you this. Are you going in, are you, how do you go? You're going, you're saying you're going into nature. Yes. Like I feel like the reason I'm saying I'm going into nature is because I feel like I leave my apartment and I'll. back to nature? Back to nature? I I say I'm going into nature because it's like, I feel like I started my life like in in the city. Like I grew up in the city. And so for me, it was always going into nature. Like I didn't feel like I started in nature, but it's like, yes, like I do think humans started in nature, but like, that's why I say that. Like I, and, and you know, like in an adult context, like. I feel like I'm at my apartment in LA and I like go to my car and pull out of my driveway and drive to the beach. Um, So that, yeah, that's why I say it like that. I'm I'm just asking you, like, are you saying something about like this, this like perception of control in nature? Like, do you feel like, do you think control changes like from like, let's say like city in LA at my desk to like going to the beach like well yeah is, I mean of or course. it's like a metaphorical change uh I think like at a very literal level your stimuli changes right mm-hmm. and yeah. a- as we experience different stimuli um our thought patterns change right different areas of our brain get activated um our speech patterns might change um our eye our pupils might dilate or expand depending on the light we're experiencing mm-hmm. we might smell something that's different. Mm-hmm. It changes mm-hmm. our state of mind. Um, but this happens constantly, not just when we go, quote, back to nature. Even in cities, I realize 
I felt very much connected to nature in cities. Um, you know, even though in Boston we have the commons and there's many places where, you know, the, the, the early colonials would, would, you know, put all their sheep in one place downtown, right? Um, so I'm just saying, and, you know, New York was founded on the oyster industry, right? Manhattan. Mm-hmm. So people came there to, to fish oysters and everything was an oyster house and the Union Oyster House was in Boston. So people use the ocean as a means to make their life better forever. But it used to be simply not a lifestyle, but it was a lifestyle. It was commerce, right? So just acknowledge the fact that like, you know, it's kind of a, for me, it's like, I always, I love how it just, the ocean is like the great unifier. You check your privilege at the door and you see everybody there. If you go to, you know, Jacob Reese Park, hello. Mm-hmm. I mean, talk People's about Beach. every, fr- yeah, everybody's there. And it, yeah. it feels like a celebration of humanity. It's mm-hmm. sexy. It's fun. Mm-hmm. It's, it's wet. It's steamy. It's hot. Everybody's getting sunburns and tans, you mm-hmm. know, eating their favorite foods and maybe getting so, high or tripping. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's that, it's that wonderful thing that, you know, that our community gives us, right? Which mm-hmm. is very natural. Yeah. So I feel like, no, I think, like, I think you're spot on here because, like, I'm doing some reflection as you're talking. And I'm like, I feel like the reason that I was drawn to surfing as a child is, like, I, like, like struggle to have, like, genuine connection with my parents. And, like, I would go to the beach And it was this place where there was community and there was friends and there were people everywhere. There was always someone to talk to. And to this day, like when I go to Montauk and surf ditch plains, like I feel like I'm just in a hug. Like I'm just in a warm hug around everyone who I love. And like surfing is the unifier. Like it brings us together. That's why it's important. But like the people, the relationships are the reason why I'm drawn to the surfing. That's absolutely true. And don't forget um, this history of women in surfing has been erased. Yep, true. <laughs> it has been erased. <laughs> or just not or completely underreported. It's like a black hole. Oh, it's absolutely a black hole. Like, I remember, like, doing research about this. I was like, okay, so, like, there's a gap there. Like, not really sure what happened. Like, and then it's kind of like, oh. I, think, I mean, you know what happened. Like, the colonial history is, like, super fucked up. There's, like, this whole gap in surfing history because it's like, and then it came to California. And it's like, okay. I know. But, like, yeah, it's just... It's one of those arguments that's not really meant to be an argument. It's just meant to be a discussion, you know? Yeah. And a, yeah. And a, and a consideration and just kind of more of a thought piece, honestly. Like, yeah. it, it doesn't... A conversation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what we do know for a fact is that, like, um, people living in our bodies um, with our reproductive organs who identify the way we do have been uh, completely um, ignored in terms of... The hit, like in surfing, in most sports, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you look at golf and things like that. Women are paid mu- as much as men, um, things like that. But surfing is, you know, it's it's constantly like uh, pushing back on being an actual sport and actually generating revenue for companies, which is why, you know, comp- surf companies, um, like any company from surfboard manufacturing to, you know, any of the things that, any of those industries that exist around it, um, you know, traditionally don't have a lot of money to spend, especially on supporting women surfers. Um, But it's great to be able, as a filmmaker, it's great to see some 
of my friends like that are female surfers get paid and not just for their Instagram feeds get paid um, because it, they're doing it more of a, a way an expressive medium. Right. Right. Um, right. And it's not to beat somebody. It's more about, uh, you know, evolving this um, notion of, you know, what it means yeah. to be on a wave and be in the water mm-hmm. and I mean, have yeah, this inflection like- point. Yeah, like, I really see surfing as just, like, a form of art. Like, you're, like, drawing lines on the wave. Like, it's really, like, a form of self-expression. And I think, like, when it's treated as such, like, that's my favorite thing. Like, to – because, like, it was so hard. Like, as a kid, um, a lot of the imagery that I saw, like, walking into a surf shop would be, like, screen, like, Alana Blanchard in a bikini, you know, like, these women who, like, fit – the beauty standard to a T, like, getting paid to wear bikinis by these, like, huge surf brands, and, like, I was, like, oh, my God, like, how am I going to be a woman who surfs if I don't look like this? And, like, nothing nothing wrong with Alana Blanchard, just, like, you know, the, it's the industry. Um, and so, I, mean, I think, like... she makes a choice to participate. Right, she makes a choice. Exactly. Everyone has and, a choice. Yeah. Yeah, but it's, like, people who, like, accept the sponsorship money, like, that is a choice, but it's also, like okay, like, I want to get paid to do this, like, and I'm making the choice to get paid to do this. But, like, then again, is that, like, I guess, like, moral or, like, the responsible thing to do? If you're putting that imagery out there, doesn't it then, like, hold all other women to that standard at the same time? So then shouldn't you just be trying to, like, fight against it? Like, I don't know. Like, that's, like, a conversation that I have with myself Mm. and my head a lot about, Mm. like, buying into that, Mm. buying into that imagery and then feeling like, no, like, I'm, I actually have a responsibility not to, you know? But I, I think, like, as a, as a young 11-year-old, like, just going through puberty, like, coming of age, seeing those images, I think it was really damaging to me because it made me feel like, oh, well, if I'm going to be a surfer because I like surfing because it's so important to me for all these reasons that we talked about, like, right before this, like, I have to look like this. And I think, like, 10 years ago, like, seeing that was really frustrating. I'm happy that now there has been, like, progress to the extent that, like, you know, you're seeing, like, Lauren Hill's films, your films, like, where I'm seeing, and, like, Leah Dawson and stuff like that, where it's, like, oh, like, this feels like an authentic expression of femininity that's, like, not, like, I don't believe in, like, you know, disentangling the female body from, like, surfing because I think it's a part of it, but it feels more like an art form and an expression Mm -hmm. as opposed to, like, a commodity, like, you know, we were talking about, like, advertisement, social media, et cetera. Yeah, I think think you're you're definitely walking an interesting line right there with what you're saying. Um... Yeah, I mean that your experience is real. You know, feeling not good enough is is definitely part of the struggle, right? Um, but you know, I I really think like I'll, I'll be honest with you, like mm-hmm. sports and being outdoors is is who I am, and it's been a part of my life. Um, however, it's I kind of see through the the veil, you know. And uh, if you're if you're making money off it, you're commodifying it. Period. There's no mm-hmm. there's no gray area. You know, it's once you decide to make it a business, it's like anything. Oh, take your pet. You always see these ads like, oh, take your passion and make it a business. It's like, at some point, you're not going to be able to. You're going to have these. You know, there's an idiot. You, you're walking around with a certain ideological viewpoint, right? Hmm. And if you cross over the line to be like, oh, it's okay to buy this thing from H and M. It's cute. You know, instead of being like, um, you know, I'm just going to either repair the shitty, you know, jacket I have or like cut this towel in half and sew a new thing binder to it. Like, you know, like what Suey Sew Shop is doing in downtown L.A. Um, mm-hmm. S-U-A-Y. Look them up. 
Um, you know, I mean, that to me is a great narrative and story about somebody, a woman who is walking the walk and standing up to like fast to, to fashion and, and the retail industry, which is creating mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. much garbage and so much pollution. I'm just saying like surfing to me is my, what really drives me is finding out it, you know, the, that mystery is like finding out if, you know, I can ignore all this bullshit that's coming at me, people telling me that this is authentic and this is wellness and this is that and the other thing. Nobody's going to tell me that. I need to figure out what it is for myself. Hmm. There is no magic potion like, you know, I mean, it's not simple is the thing. It's not simple. You can't pay your way into wellness retreats. You can change your mind for a minute, you know. I mean, I don't I don't do drugs, I don't drink, I don't do anything, but it's like you know, altering your sense of reality for a minute, going to a concert, right. going to see live music. It's like going into the ocean. You're, you know, what I would say is like, you have to protect as young women, you need to really, you know, coalesce around an idea, which is what I like about with a girl is that there's this realness to it. Right. Mm-hmm. And you can just mm-hmm. call it for what it is. You know, a lot of that is just straight up. I mean, these are friends of mine, like everybody you mentioned, yeah. and I, I really love them and respect them. It's a business, though. Okay, um, if you go to somebody like Shaney Joe Darden who runs Keeper Breast, it's a nonprofit, but it's a lifelong mission to help women in different stages of breast cancer and making sure that they. So I'm just saying, like, there's all this stuff, like there's um, all this stuff flying around, but the main issues with us as women is being subjugated by men. Um, being trafficked, being raped, being forced to bear children, okay? Those are being, you know, having violence um, against us constantly, people feeling violent, okay? And and actually, like, killing us um, in, in domestic violence situations and things like that all over the world, right? Being held prisoner, like, you know, like in Burkina Faso or just those different places where they kidnapped the, um, you know, kidnapped this entire... Um, school full of girls and then, you know, sold them basically into slavery. So it's like these things are happening right now. And, you know, it's like to me, like surfing is like, it's just one thing that I do to step away from that reality. So, Hmm. but there's so much work to do that I find myself at my desk more and more. And I don't think of myself as a radical. I don't, I think of myself as a realist. And I think, I'm a humanist and I believe in supporting other women because I myself am old. I'm 53. Um, you know, like I don't feel like I'm, well, my body does, but like whatever, that's a different subject. But I'm just saying like my job is to sit down and talk to younger women like you, um, which I can do through with a girl and to kind of impart on them my point of view, which is just Hmm. like, hey, man, that's just like your opinion, you know, like that kind of thing. But at the same time, it's I I want I want you and other women to question these things and decide, no, I I actually don't have to make that choice. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, I feel like for that reason, like this conversation has been really productive because I mean, like if when if people are going to listen to this and it's going to be like you're literally like we're in the midst of you asking me questions about the way that I'm thinking and like pushing me to think differently. And I like, I really appreciate that. Like, I think it's important, you know, um, and like 
Thank you. No, thank you so much. Like I've, I've so enjoyed this conversation. It's been so refreshing. Like, you know, we talk about like this desire for something new and like, yeah, like that's what I'm experiencing right now. Talking to you and like having this connection is like, I'm experiencing new thoughts and like, I feel like it's a frontier. Um, so Beth, do you want to wrap things up with one more song and then maybe dish out some advice? Oh my God. Um, uh, sure. I like Sonic Youth. I'm going to play Incinerate. Do it. Um, okay. Kim Gordon. Woo!
Incinerate by Sonic Youth. I'm back with Beth O'Rourke. We're just going to wrap things up. Um, Beth, any advice before we sign off to young women, young people? I would say always insist on something else, creating your own narrative, right? Find, find that thing. Let yourself run free. We're savage beasts. And make sure that you maintain that energy, really, right? Um, and, you know, treat all your sisters with love and respect. You don't really know what they're going through mm. um, or what's, you know, what's happened to them and what they're, what they're bringing to that moment. But, um, you know, and just try to, it's, it's, a, it's crushing, right? But try to remain optimistic. Find those wild areas where you can just let yourself roam free whether it's in a book or the ocean or reading poetry or listening yeah. to some sonic youth and those amazing yeah. chord progressions. Oh my God. Let yourself roam free for a wild beast. I love it. I, I love it. Oh, it's so good. Um, thank you so much for talking with me today. It's been a pleasure. It was a pleasure for me too, Maya. Thank you so much.